0: Writing in verse 11, right where we stopped last week, by the way, here's what the word says. Therefore, remember that you were formerly who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that which is done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. And uh, I want to stop there because... You know, as, as we continue um, this morning, and I'm just reminded of something, <laughs> praise God. I want to stop and pray before we continue in the word this morning. Please join me. Father, this morning we've come into your house to, to hear from you, to learn about you, and now we're entering into your word, and I thank you for the prompting of your spirit that we should always come to you first and ask that you would open your words to us that we can understand them. Give us a, a spirit of discernment. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And give us the strength to apply what we've learned. And uh, may we be glorifying to you all of our days. Um, May we never stop following you. We'll just give you praise and glory today because you are worthy. And we ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I always say that. I always say, we got to start with prayer. And then I jumped right past it. I was like jumping right into the word this morning. But um, I'm, I'm not just, I really believe that that's the key, you know, I've shared that with you before. People say to me, like, I don't understand what it means. Or, and I think that if God inspired it, God can inspire us to understand it. And so, uh, so anyway, so here we go. He says, um, remember that you were formerly called the uncircumcised, the, or, or far from God, the, the uncircumcised, uh, the Gentiles, those who were not near to God, by those who were near to God. And I want to point out some things because... You know when we think about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'll remind you that Paul wrote all these letters after Jesus came to Earth, after He uh, had died on the cross, and after He was raised. Paul writes these letters to the church. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God had come to save what was lost, and and so when Paul here begins to talk about the saints, I'll remind you in verse one in Ephesus, he says, "You were lost." You were far from God. I want to run through here and just look and see what it says. Look with me if you would. In verse 12, he says, Remember that at that time, right, you were separate from Christ. So this is the first thing that he's saying to the Gentiles. You were separate from Christ. Now, that's a funny thing for you and I to believe because you and I have become so accustomed to the idea that Jesus came to save everyone. But there was a real thought at the time that Jesus came, he came to save the Jewish people. We're going to to really celebrate Easter. And you'll recall whenever Jesus came into Jerusalem, there was great fanfare because there were many Jews that believed that he had come to save Israel. And he had. Paul's going to talk about that in a moment. But for you and I who were far from the promises of God, the Messiahship did not include us according to the religious people of the day. It was only for them. It was only for those who were God's people. And so Paul says here, Gentiles, that means non-Jewish people. You and I, unless you're a Jew here, you and I are all non-Jewish people, right? And therefore Gentiles by definition. He says, therefore Gentiles, you weren't included in Christ at that time. You were outside of this promise, He's going to say that in a moment. I've said this to you before, but I want to say it again. Uh, Christ is not Jesus' last name, right? It's his title. It, It was a promise that was made in the First Testament, the Old Testament, about how God was going to save his people. And so that's why Easter is such a big deal, because whenever God came, everyone was celebrating because they're like, this could be the Messiah. He could be the one. You remember Peter, who was following Jesus, said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And this became the, uh, the, the dare they think it, the hope that they found in Jesus. But Paul says, at that time, when Jesus came to save what was lost, you and I were Um, separate from Christ, first of all. Secondly, he says, we were excluded from citizenship in Israel. So we were not included in God's people, which is kind of what I just said. We were Gentile. We were not included in the promises that they had. Third, we were foreigners to the covenants of the promise of God. So there's kind of three things here right off the bat that he's saying that you weren't included in Christ. You weren't included in the people of God, and you weren't included in the promises that God had made to his people. You'll recall that the promises uh, God had made is that he would deliver his people, that, that there would be a remnant who would be saved, they'd be delivered. As if that's not enough, read with me. He says in verse 12, you were without hope, and you were without God in the world. Hopelessly lost. The people in Ephesus, before Paul came with the message of Jesus, the Christ who had died to save sinners, were hopelessly lost. And Jesus came to save us. So that's the first thing that we have to understand is that, is, is that Paul again here identifies because there's this tendency to, you know, I, I think we see this a lot in um, religious circles to be like, well, we're the special ones, you know what I mean? Well, we, we're, we're the ones. And, and we are, but we're not the only ones. Like God is saving his people. And we can get pretty arrogant about that. And so Paul's reminding the church, the saints in Ephesus that remember you also were far from God when Christ came. Look at verse 13 with me though, cuz this is what we talked about last week, the two most important words in scripture. Look at verse 13, Paul says it again, but now in Christ Jesus. You see? Paul's talking about a new thing that has happened for you and I. That's what he says here. Remember last week we said, but God, we were we were objects of God's wrath, but God in his mercy saved us. Well here he says, but Christ Jesus is the same thought. But now in Christ Jesus, you, church, who were once far from God, have been brought near to God through the blood of Christ. And again, this is the gospel of Jesus. That that those who were far off were drawn near through his own shedding of his blood. This is what we do here every Sunday morning. This is why we come. This is why we worship. Is because Jesus is uniquely qualified to draw sinners to himself. This is what the promise of Scripture, and this is what happens in every repentant believer's heart, is that God himself draws you to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. So the first is that, that Jesus came to save what was lost. But the second thing I want you to see, starting in verse 14, is this. It says this, because Jesus himself is our peace, right? And those words to me just hit me really hard this week because I'm thinking, you know, do you need peace? Paul says here that Jesus is our peace, I'm going to read on who has made the two one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh, the law with his commandments and regulations. Okay. And so I wanted to show you, I I want to show you something because the first thing that we have is that Jesus came to save what was lost. But the second thing that we have is that Jesus came to tear down walls. And I just wanted to, I have a little illustration because there's something significant that happens in Christ on the cross, and I've told you before this morning already that He said that you were far from God, that you were not included in the people of God, and that and that you you were outside of the walls. Do you remember um, we studied Nehemiah a few years ago? You remember the big deal was they were rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem, right? And, um, and And so Jesus comes as one here, here's Gentiles, and here's the people of God, and Jesus comes as one person to remove the barrier. And I really wish that this table was right in front of this cross, because this is where I think the dividing happened. I think this is the, this is the power of God right here in front of us. We, we hang it on our necks, we, we put it on our walls, we put it in our cars. This is the, the, the power of God to tear down walls. We just talked a moment ago about how we're going to send someone to Kenya. Send six people to Kenya. For what? To tear down walls. He says here that Jesus himself is our peace, and it was he who made the two halves one. One. By destroying the wall of hostility. That's what it says there. You see it? By dividing the wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commands, you see what the word says, that he destroyed, utterly demolished the separation with God. That's a big deal. I remember whenever I was a kid, and I would go to church, and there was people there, that, that I looked up to and, and they, were, they, were, they were in front of me but, but they would tell me things like well if you need to talk to God you need to talk to me so why? because if the gospel is true if what Paul says here is true that Jesus destroyed the wall of hostility between the people of God and the rest of us and, and therefore opened the ways that we can talk to God directly this is a gift to us There's a few things that this does. The first is that it removes hostility. You know, it's really a funny thing to think about. And I I mean, it's, I don't know if this will surprise any of you, but Jesus was Jewish. Is that obvious? You know, like sometimes we think like, you know, Jesus was a Baptist or Jesus was a Methodist or Jesus was a non-denominational, non-affiliated, whatever. (laughs) He was a practicing Jew. He was a rabbi. People recognized him by his Jewishness. And I want you to understand something, that part of the offense of the cross of Jesus Christ and the offense of the Holy Spirit being poured out on Gentiles, just like on the people of God, is that God was saying something about his holiness that transcends Jewishness. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about here. He says, The cross of Christ destroyed the hostility between Jews and Gentiles. By his death on the cross... He removed the hostility, and that hostility went both ways. Gentiles were hostile towards Jewish people. Jewish people were hostile towards Gentiles. Nobody wanted to be in the room together. And Jesus came to destroy that barrier. That's pretty profound if you think about it. And you might, you might say, well, man, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I get what you're saying. What's the big deal? It, can you imagine... What other walls that we put up? That we that we make these divisions, we say us and them. You know, them and us. He came to remove this hostility that existed. To save what was lost. And this is Paul's testimony. Who are the people that are on the other side of the wall? Who, who are the them? You know what I mean? Like, think with me for a moment here, but who are the people in your mind that you say, like, I'm not, I'm not like those people? I'm, not, I'm different than them. You know, it's a funny thing, but whenever I was watching those pictures, I don't know if we got to see that one of Elaine, but in those pictures of Kenya earlier, you know who was different. It wasn't them. It was her. She was different. Who is it in our own lives that we say, they're on the other side of this wall. They're over there. And we're over here. Says that Jesus himself is our peace. And he made the two one. He made the two peoples one people. He destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And, and he abolished in his flesh the law with his commandments and regulations. We don't have time to get in this morning. But what this really means is that on the cross of Christ, he completely fulfilled the, pr- the, the requirement for sin payment to the Father that was spoken of in the Old Testament. That by his blood, he bought you and me. He fulfilled in his flesh all the requirements of the law, is what Paul says. And his purpose, look with me, was to create in himself one new man from these two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Whew. You know, so the first thing we have is that that he, he 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 removes the hostility between these two people groups, but the second is that he begins to form a new people, and it says in the same way that he destroyed the hostility between these two people on the cross, he destroyed the hostility between these people and God Himself. This is this is the work. Of the cross, that he reconciled them, both of them, to God in the cross. In the cross, he put to death their hostility. That means all parties involved. He came to preach peace to you who were far away and peace to you who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit so i just want to sh- i want to do something real quick i want to show you something i think will help us understand a little better we talk already about how he destroyed this wall this morning but i want to share with you what this cross is about up here this morning and i i, I uh so i can get this thing to work good old duct tape right oh that was loud so here's what I want to show you. In fact, I don't know if I'm even tall enough to reach this stuff. The first is that this, bear with me with the ripping tape and the mic thing, that this cross is a cross of peace. That this, I mean, this is a hard thing for us to understand. But fundamentally, when Jesus came to die, he came to reconcile people to people and people groups to God. I'm guessing a few people slept in today. We have extra chairs, so I'm going to grab one. (laughs) So, first of all, in in this cross of Christ, I want to show you some things that I want, it be, I want to make kind of clear this morning of where we are. You see, here's what I said a minute ago, is that with Jesus, this is not us. This is not us. This is the holy people of God. This is the Israelites. This is the ones that said, he said, I will not leave you or forsake you. These are the ones he said that I will come back for you over here, the right hand of God. And then on the other extreme of this continuum was you and me. And and this wasn't you and me like, you know, the pretty, dressed up, church going, Easter, bonnet wearing, holy people. These were sinners who were far from God. As a matter of fact, what Paul says, in case you didn't get this already, if you didn't get the memo, is he said this. He said, these are the people who were far that Jesus died for. But not only that, not only did he die for those who were, who were far, Paul writes, but he also died for those who were near. And so in the cross of Christ, it's not as if the Jewish people didn't need a Savior. They did. They needed one. They needed a Messiah. They needed a fulfiller of the Old Testament prophecies. They needed someone who was more perfect than they could ever have imagined or hoped or dreamed. They needed someone that was so amazing that they couldn't imagine him maybe being one person. They thought it had to be three, maybe two. They weren't sure who could do this work. And so the first work of reconciliation that Jesus did on the cross was between the people of God. But the second work he says he did is this. And this is why I wanted to put this up here because I think it helps us, helps me anyway, understand what God is doing in Jesus. Because before this, there was no access to the Father. Right? And so it's about as high as I can get it, guys. There he is. The Father God. And in the same way that this peace in the cross of Christ worked this way for us, it worked this way for all who would believe. And I want to read one other thing to you out of the scriptures this morning. Read with me what it says. He came and he preached peace to those who are far and peace to those who were near. Do you know, I think it's significant that after Jesus was raised from the dead, after he came to life after death and he walked amongst his people, the very first words he would say to them would be peace. I bring peace to you. Reading on though, this is what the word says. He came and he preached peace to those who were near. For through him, listen to the word in 18, we both, that's both people groups, the two groups who are now being made one in Jesus Christ, the two groups have access to the Father. Not only did he destroy the hostility in the cross, not only did he pay the Old Testament requirements for sin in the cross, not only did he draw those who were far from the promise near to himself in the cross, but the word says that in that time he gave us direct access to the father and that access comes by the holy spirit all of this work was done Perfectly. You want to know why we make a big deal out of Jesus? This is why. You want to know why we make a big deal out of Jesus being the way, the truth, and life? This is why. Because he's the only one that destroys hostility in our life. He's the only one that destroys hostility between us and God. He's the only one that can redeem us or save us. There is no one else. And here's the kicker, church. There's nothing else we have to do. He has done it. The whole point to Paul's first three chapters is that this work is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Read with me. Third point, we're going to wrap up with this. Verse 19, for this reason, consequently, because of this, is what he says, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but you yourselves, Gentiles, are fellow citizens with God's people, and you yourselves are members of God's own house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God will live by his spirit. So this third movement, it says that Jesus came to tear down walls. Jesus came to save what was lost. But Jesus came to build a temple. This is his work. I got something really exciting to show you this morning. This is the biggest Sharpie I've ever seen in my life. If you know me, you know that's a pretty exciting thing for me. <laughs> Come on. So, so, not only did Jesus destroy the wall, I want, I want us to see one final thing. Bear with me, and, and, and we'll be done, I promise. But bear with me for a moment. So, not only did he destroy the wall of hostility, not only did he give us access to the Father through the power of the Spirit, not only did he bring those who were near and far near to himself through the promises, not only did he fulfill the promises he had made in the First Testament. But the word says that he began to build a temple. I want to read this with you. It says, Built on the foundation of the apostles, but fellow citizens and members of God's own house, he's building his house, and it says, Built on the foundations of the apostles, the prophets, and Christ Jesus. And so the first thing I want you to see is these, that Jesus is the foundation. But there's more. He says there's apostles, right, also. And he says there's prophets, right, that are being built up. But then here's the kicker. He says this house is being built and you are included You know what that means? That means that for those who are believing in the promises of Jesus, there are people that are being assembled in God's house. Do you see? There are people who have believed on him for the promise and are being redeemed in Jesus and i want you to see what's happening because then see then it's not just this is what we do to ourselves church we go like well those are the special people those are the people in the bible those those guys they weren't real those guys were as real as you and me and and these apostles that god that jesus sent out to proclaim the good news these prophets that god had been saying for so long hey I'm going to send the Messiah to you. We're all pointing to this person of Jesus Christ. And it's the only person we need to know to be saved. And so then all of a sudden, the kingdom of God is open for him, for her, for anyone who would have it. And here's the kicker. And this one blows me away. Because it's kind of personal. Because the word says that includes me also. And the word says that it includes you as well. And then all of a sudden, through this great promise of Jesus Christ, you and I are being built into a house where God's spirit will live. That means, I mean, I want you to see it. Like there's a literal thing happening here where God is transforming our lives and because of the transformation, he is making his dwelling inside of us, inside of each of us, inside of all of us, right? That God is building his new house out of the old wall and he's making his new kingdom where he will dwell forever. And this is really profound, and I want you to see something because this is what happens a lot, and I just want to point out what, the, what Paul says. He says Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone of this building, right? I said earlier that Peter was one who would said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, and that's whenever Simon became Peter, the rock. Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church, this confession, but I want you to see some things, and this is where we spend our lives, and this is what the book of Ephesians is going to be about as we press on. It's going to be about marking out this cornerstone of Jesus, that the purpose of Jesus being here on the bottom isn't because it's the least significant place. I read in the Word it said the chief cornerstone, and my first thought was he must be like the cor- top corner of the pinnacle of the sanctuary. He's the place that, you know... Jesus is the place that if you're standing outside a cathedral and you got your little two-year-old with you and you look up and you can't quite, and who's up there? And that's God. But that's not what Paul says. Paul says, you can take your two-year-old and you go, this one right here. This one right here at the bottom, the foundation. This one that everything else is aligned with. You see, the apostles were perfectly aligned with the coming of the foundation of the kingdom of God. And you see, the prophets were perfectly lined up, making a perfect corner. And in every group, every people who have believed in him have been aligned to this person, Jesus Christ. And in him, we, we live and breathe and have our being. And here's the thing, because the reason that it's so significant is this. And this is what a lot of people try to do. They go, I get the church, I get the stuff, I get to helping people out. But I don't get the Jesus thing. But the truth is that Jesus came to build a house. And if you start to try to wiggle this thing around or pull it out, what's going to happen? Huh? Yeah. The house will not stand. Jesus taught the same thing. He said, build your house on the rock. Otherwise, when tough times come, your house will not stand. This is a picture of the church being built, being aligned and realigned. This is the picture of the, the, the dwelling of God where you and I are invited to be assembled. Paul says, and in him you also are being built together as a dwelling in which God will live by his spirit. This morning, I don't know where you are in this. You know, I don't know if you feel <laughs> like you're far from God, but if you've not believed it till now, I hope you understand that this is written a long time ago, where He says Jesus died to bring those who are far near to God. And then, for many of us, we're here, man, and we just got to be, be willing to be put in that spot be willing to be lined up with Jesus, be willing to be knocked around a little bit and have some pieces. I'll never forget when we were in Guatemala, Steve Cordy was building stoves down there, and he would, he would tap, 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 you know, trying to get these things, and once in a while we'd, we'd break blocks and we'd put them inside the walls, and it was this whole process of conforming, and Steve's goal was to have a perfect corner, especially that base had to be right. This is where we live our lives in Jesus. So I'm going to invite you, should you choose, you can have this today, this direct access to God. You don't have to go through me. You don't have to go through us. Jesus died to give it to you directly. And uh, whatever the hostilities are, whatever the walls are, may need to be torn down. I pray, I pray, I pray that God would tear him down, that we could really be his people. Please join me in prayer. Father, this morning we've come here to hear from your word, to try to make it really clear, Father, of what you came to do when you came in Jesus, what what, what you were up to when the Messiah rode into Jerusalem, what you were up to whenever the Messiah walked amongst his people and said, Peace. Today, Father God, I pray first and foremost that we would let you destroy that wall of hostility. Maybe not the one between us and the Jewish people. Maybe maybe not the one between us and religious people. Maybe the one between us and you. Today, Father, as we've come here, I pray that your cross, the power of Jesus Christ, would tear down the walls that would believe that we're separated from you, that would believe that you have not made a way. And Father, today... We just claim that in the shed blood of Jesus, all sin is paid for, all guilt is atoned for. And therefore, we can easily and readily confess that we are sinners in need of redeeming. Pray, Father God, that uh, you would speak that reality into our hearts. And then, Father, as we continue to follow you and your spirit moves in us and we see those areas of our life need to be cut away or gotten rid of, areas we need to step up and do something, that we would do it for your glory and by the power of your spirit. May you have your way in our lives. And we're going to trust you with all the work because you are the architect. You are the foundation and you are the final, final block. And so we give you praise and glory today because you're worthy and we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.